Carl Cancino is a criminal defense attorney and the founder of the Cancino Law Firm. He currently serves as Milledgeville's municipal court prosecutor. A graduate of Florida State University in Atlanta's John Marshall Law School, he has practiced law in the Okmulgee Judicial Circuit for 21 years, six of those as an assistant district attorney. Carl Cancino, thank you for joining me today on Milledgeville Matters. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. I find that especially um, with some offices in the judiciary and in law enforcement, uh, many times our listeners, uh, myself included, don't really know exactly what that office entails. I thought we'd start our conversation off. Can you explain in your own words the role of the district attorney in our communities? Absolutely. Uh, well, we have a, a big judicial circuit. It consists of eight counties, and the district attorney is the uh, pretty much the primary prosecutor for all of those eight counties. Now, some of these counties do felony and misdemeanors, but uh, some of the counties just do felonies. And so the DA is in charge of an office that prosecutes all criminal offenses that occur within the judicial circuit. And can you describe the prosecutorial philosophy you'll advance as district attorney? Sure. Um, you know, being the DA is, is not a magic. Uh, there's nothing really um, magic about it. What you want to do is, is, of course, the most important thing is, is that when you're in any job, you want to do the right thing. Um, you know, there, there, there are crimes that are committed by uh, people, uh, and uh, several offenses are uh, um, minor offenses. And so you have to look at those offenses and see maybe those individuals can be rehabilitated or not. There's not a cookie-cutter type of justice, and so obviously uh, we want to reserve the harshest criminal penalties for those who commit the most heinous and um, uh, egregious crimes that are in our community. And if it's possible to say, what will you focus on as district attorney? Well, as everybody can... Uh, hear from the news, we've had an increase in gang violence, uh, those involving uh, violence with drive-by shootings. Uh, there's an increase in drug trafficking, uh, child molestation, and crimes against the elderly. So those are the uh, most egregious parts of the uh, crimes that need to be prosecuted. There are some um, crimes against the animals. Um, that's a specific interest of mine. Uh, those who commit offense against animals need to be prosecuted as well. Now, while in office, former Governor Nathan Deal advocated for and signed into law a series of criminal justice reforms. What is your opinion of the changes Governor Deal put in place? I think it's long time coming. Um, the the previous model of the state, uh, basically incarcerating everyone, has not been working. Um, I think the governor deal had a, a, a real insight in that um, he recognized that rehabilitation uh, of nonviolent offenders is the way to go. Um, we've definitely seen in our judicial circuit a, a redu reduction in recidivism, which is repeat offenders. And um, I hope that the uh, our Okmulgee circuit can expand. Uh, collaborative courts, mental health courts, and even maybe uh, start doing a veterans court as well. 
And do you believe at this time uh, there are enough resources, uh, especially with those accountability courts, um, and that give options to a prosecutor like the district attorney? Well, obviously there's never enough resources, um, but I think if you uh, are able to partner with the community, and the community has to take an interest too because the community has a, um, a big stake in making sure that the crime rate is down. And so if you can partner with local businesses, local schools, um, to, to be able to um, assist with the collaborative courts, I think that it'll be more successful. And do you have a plan um, that you would use to reach out to those different stakeholders uh, once you are district attorney? Absolutely. I mean, it's just a matter of uh, you know engaging people in the community. Uh, obviously, people have interest in making sure that their communities are safe. Uh, it's just a matter of asking. As a business owner, you know, we participate uh, with schools, with the collaborative courts ourselves, and so uh, you know. It's just is a matter of somebody asking us to do it, and uh, we're always willing and able to, uh, as with most people in the community, are willing to help. And I want to go back to one of your earlier responses. Um, you mentioned um, several of the accountability courts, um, but you said you were hoping uh, that we could put in place a, a veterans accountability court. Uh, might you describe why this is one that you would want to highlight as something that we may potentially need uh, in our part of the state? Well, we we're, we're, we're happen to be very close to uh, Dublin, which is a VA hub. Lots of veterans go for uh, treatment and medical uh, attention there. We also have the Georgia War Veterans Home. You would be surprised to uh, learn how many uh, uh, offenses and how many veterans are in uh, need of services. A lot of them have uh, mental health issues uh, uh, combined with addictive diseases. And uh, if there's so much that we can do and there's, there should be more that we could do for our uh, veterans, then I think that we should do it. It's just a matter of trying to find the resources. Uh, right now, the uh, the veterans are being kind of uh, uh, pulled into the mental health court. Um, I hope that one day there will be a separate veterans court for those veterans. Now, the coronavirus pandemic has forced law enforcement to make tough decisions about who will be incarcerated and who must remain behind bars. Uh, thinking long term, how has this epidemic impacted your thinking about the use of jail time? Well, that's a good question. Um, my philosophy in jail time is uh, um, and this is a, a strange uh, philosophy that I have, but I, when I was in the DA's office, I I always said to myself that uh, no prosecutor should uh, recommend jail time unless they themselves have spent a day in jail. I'm proud to say that at least I spent one day in jail and know how it's like. So uh, whenever you're you're talking about um, sending somebody to to jail or prison, it needs to be somebody that really that you know deserves that punishment. Um, most of the time. If for minor offenses, uh, there's alternatives to incarceration like probation. So um, my philosophy really hasn't changed from the beginning. Uh, prisons should be uh, reserved for the most violent offenders and those repeat offenders uh, who um, continuously break the law. And I apologize if this is inappropriate, but I have to ask, uh, did you spend that day in jail as a volunteer? Were you there uh, by, by chance or circumstance? 
<laughs> well, no, actually, it was a time in college. Um, a lot of the times, uh, you know, you get a little bit too rowdy. And when I say jail, I actually wasn't put in a holding cell, but I did have to spend the night uh, attached uh, conveniently to a bench. And it was a, a very uh, sobering experience, one that I'll never forget. Actually, was one of the catalysts that uh, caused me to come, become interested in changing my field from accounting into law. Very good. Uh, now, I wanted to ask you another question about um, the many uh, sides of this uh, part of our society that you've been on. Um, of course, you are a criminal defense attorney. Um, you're also a prosecutor. How might you navigate those different roles if you're put in a position where um, your office is uh, forced to prosecute someone who may have been someone you have defended? Oh, a previous client of mine. Yes. Well, you know, actually there has been many times where as a former prosecutor, I've prosecuted somebody uh, in my days as a prosecutor and then um, sometime later have represented them. I think most people understand, law enforcement included, that whenever you're presented with a job, you have to do that job to the best of your ability. As far as prosecuting somebody that I had once represented, of course, we'll have to make the decision on whether or not uh, I can actually prosecute or the office can prosecute if I become elected, because if there's a conflict, then we have to obviously weigh that. In, in regards to that particular defendant. But if there's, if there's no conflict, then it doesn't give me any – I don't have any problem in prosecuting somebody that I've formally represented. And we live in a small community, and so that's to be expected. You are the municipal court prosecutor. Is that a role right. that you'll relinquish should you become the district attorney? Yeah, you know, that's a job that I have loved doing since 2005. Um, unfortunately, uh, should I become elected, uh, the DA, I will have to uh, give that office up because the DA's office is a full-time position. Uh, that also uh, include uh, relinquishing control of my law office. And so it's uh, something that um, I'm looking forward to doing if I have the opportunity. And I just wanted to ask another question about balance. Of course, uh, I believe you mentioned earlier that this is an eight-county uh, judicial circuit, and uh, you will be uh, the chief prosecutor for all of those counties. Uh, how will you go about uh, balancing the different needs and different characteristics of all of the different communities uh, within your uh, jurisdiction? You know, that the, the, the circuit does have eight counties, and it does have a wide varying degree of uh, economic uh, interest. We have places where uh, there's uh, you know, high-rises and country clubs and, and places that have very rural industry. Um, I think the most important thing for the DA's office and to be a successful DA's office is you have to have good uh, staff members. That includes the prosecutors, the victims' advocates, and the administrations and investigators. Uh, obviously, the office is only as good as its weakest link, and so uh, the, a, a good prosecutor and a good chief prosecutor would know who to retain and which uh, which individuals need to be hired, et cetera. Can you describe a case that impacted the way you'll operate once you're district attorney? Hmm. That's a good question. Well, I have to say that uh, when I first came to the DA's office back in 1998, there was a case, uh, it was actually a death penalty case, uh, John Anthony Esposito. It was a murder. Uh, Lola Davis was uh, kidnapped from Lumberton, North Carolina. 
um, by Alicia Woodward and John Anthony Esposito and then murdered in Morgan County. They tried that case in Baldwin County, and that was a young assistant DA at that time. Now, there's nothing uh, like seeing uh, on-the-job training from a master district attorney as Fred Bright. And uh, that was one of the cases that I followed as a young assistant DA. And to this very day, some of the the investigative techniques, the uh, jury selection that he did in that particular jury trial uh, has stuck with me ever since. And I'm coming to the uh, end of the questions I have for you. And so I'll just um, end with this one. Why should voters in our radio audience vote for you? Well, it, uh, when it comes to uh, selecting their next DA, um, the, the district attorney's office is probably one of the most important agencies in the criminal justice system. There's presently 14 lawyers, uh, 20 support staff, and I think that the, the district attorney, even though it's a, a, a job that requires you to be a good prosecutor, you also need to be a good business uh, a leader. Uh, since 1998, uh, I've been trained uh, – and uh, been an attorney here in the Okmulgee Judicial Circuit. I've got 25 years in the practice of law, 21 of those years as a prosecutor, so I'm definitely qualified to be the next DA. And I'm asking the voters for their vote on uh, early voting and as Election Day approaches on June the 9th. Well, Carl Cancino, I want to thank you very much for taking the time to speak to our radio audience on Millennial Matters. Sure, it's my pleasure. Thank you very much for having me.